Welcome to the Self-Publishing School Podcast. This is the podcast to listen to if you're an aspiring writer or an author who wants to be more successful. On this show, you'll learn how to write and launch a book successfully, all from the top authors and people just like you who are doing it at the highest level. I'm your host, Chandler Volt, the founder of Self-Publishing School, the author of the book called Published, and the CEO of selfpublishing.com. For free training on how to publish a book that sells 10,000 copies, go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. Hey, Chandler Bolt here, and joining me today is Rami Vance, uh, a.k.a. Ari Vance. Uh, now, Rami is a, he's a, he was one of our first students at Self-Publishing School, uh, turned SPS coach. Uh, he's the lead coach and the creator of the SPS Fundamentals of Fiction and Story program. He's written... 29 books and actually he's written more than that if you include co-authors but 29 books crazy he's coached over 400 uh, sps authors through the process that's the safe number we know it's more than that uh, he's yeah. he's done over 7,000 coaching calls um, with yeah. our students and he's been a coach for a little over five years so uh, as an sps coach uh, and uh, he, he's done all that. And then he's also uh, used to run a traditional publishing company. So the That's guy's right. done it all. <laughs> he's ridiculously talented, ridiculously funny, uh, and just an all around great guy. Uh, today we're talking about writing fiction. All right. right. So how do you write your first fiction book? Uh, how do you market that fiction book? Uh, and then if you're interested, how do you build this into more of a career? So become a, a, a career yeah. Uh, fiction author. So that'll be the focus of the conversation today. Rami, really great to have you here. Ah, well, thank you for having me. I mean, after 7,000 calls, I figured I had to get on this sooner or later. <laughs> so let's dive straight in. So uh, I, I want to quick and just very quickly touch on this, and then we're going to get into super practical stuff from the writing perspective. Uh, how and why did you decide to write your first uh, fiction book? And what was that process like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was back in like uh, late 2014, or my wife came up to me and she's like, I'm pregnant. And uh, it's actually hilarious because I had started my own publishing house back in 2004 with the sole purpose of teaching myself the publishing industry so I could write my first book. And when, you know, and the publishing house did quite well. And so then you know what it's like, right? Like that just takes a life of its own. You start doing your own thing, you know, you start focusing on that. And I never actually wrote that book. And then my wife said, well, I'm pregnant. And I kind of had one of those existential freakouts. And as a result of that, I just, like, I just said, okay, look, I'm going to give myself to exactly when the due date of the baby to get my first book out, right? So the same, so it's, you know, at this point, it was like eight and a half months. I'm going to give myself eight and a half months to write and deliver the book, right? And then my son was born a month early. <laughs> So I missed that deadline by a few weeks, but it all worked out in the end. And yeah, and the rest is history. I've written 29 books since. It was funny because it took me probably about 10 years to write that first book, obviously on and off with mm -hmm. eight months of concerted effort. Yeah. Um, but then as soon as I had that accountability and that why, you know, that, that, that really kind of driving force of, holy guacamole, I'm about to be a dad. I'm not going to have time. I'm going to be knee deep in diapers and like baby feeds. It just changed your perspective mm. and you hit that finish line. Mm. So urgency and a why. Love that. And were you, were you in the first uh, self-publishing school class? Second? Second. 
Okay, yeah. cool. And um, and so how did you do that? Because I mean, obviously at the time, all of our content was nonfiction. So how did yeah. you kind of translate that um, to writing fiction? Well, because I have been in the publishing industry and also because I had like, you know, kind of done a lot of research, you know, there's a lot of kind of content out there on the web that some of it's great, some of it's horrific, you know, it's all spectrum of stuff. And so I kind of exposed myself to as much as possible. And I invested in, in courses and books and self-publishing school course specifically. And uh, the combination of it all, I was able to translate it. Also, um, you had a coach at the time, Steve, who had written some fiction. So I had asked him a few kind of converting questions as well. Yeah. And I mean, ultimately, the launch between a fiction and a nonfiction book are the same. It's the pre-marketing and post-marketing that's mm. extremely different, right? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. But the actual process of getting your book out there is, is, is fairly, you know, there's a lot of overlap. So it worked. Cool. Yeah. And that's great to hear. Cause I think, I think a lot of times I say there's overlap and people think, yeah, 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 whatever. That's cool. You're a nonfiction guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there actually is a good amount of overlap in the process. Yeah. You know, like advanced reader teams and, you know, street teams and kind of getting that pre-marketing buzz and, you know, all of that stuff is, it, it kind of, it does overlap. You're just targeting different people. That's it. Right. That makes sense. And so obviously, you know, I want to, I want to dive into the writing piece uh, and kind of go through some of your uh, philosophies and structure and stuff that you teach there. One of the first things that, that you do when people come into the program uh, is they're getting oriented uh, and then they do a plot call. So yeah. like really going deep on plot structure, poking holes in it, stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. So kind of before that, do most people come in and I want to talk genre for just very briefly, do most people come in knowing what genre that they would want to write in uh, from a fiction perspective? So two part question, there's that. And then also, yeah. how do you approach selecting a genre in terms of which ones are more lucrative and that sort of thing? Yeah, that's a great question. And the truth is, is it's kind of the bane of my existence uh, for these coaching calls. And, and it, don't get me wrong, right? Like, I mean, I designed the course because of what I wanted, which is I wanted to be a career author, not like, you know, a one book and just see what happens kind of author. I wanted to have a real chance of selling books and kind of having that career, that ongoing career that I could count on. And, um, and I certainly was guilty of this with my first book. And, you know, everyone does this. It's like, my book is so unique. It actually falls into multiple buckets. And the truth is, is that's not, that, that is accurate, right? I mean, most books have some unique angle to them. They're not writing to formula where it's like, oh, I'm writing a mystery. And here are the mystery formula. A, B, and C must happen followed by D, E, and F, right? So, so what I usually do on those calls is we kind of analyze like, well, which genres could it fall into, right? And then, and usually that's a process of, and I, I, I'm probably going to go down a rabbit hole. So I'll, go, I'll just go down a short rabbit hole. It involves looking at your, really your first three chapters and kind of trying to identify what are the story tropes or kind of the common story elements of those first three chapters that are identifiable with a certain genre. And then, or, 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 you know, and there might be multiple tropes, so multiple genres. And then we kind of study those genres and go, well, this one is more lucrative and this one is more interesting. And if I kind of edit the book slightly in this way, 
I should be able to, um, you know, kind of fit this genre better. And do you know mm-hmm. what I mean by tropes? I, I shouldn't have uh, No, and that's why I was just about to ask that. And I think just to step in as an aside here, I didn't mention this in the intro, but this is like, we don't talk about fiction often on the podcast. This is perfect. I think a lot of people are going to be listening to this episode specifically for fiction. And then yeah. also, I think I'm kind of, in, in a sense, the perfect person to interview for this because I have <laughs> very little idea about fiction and you're totally right. the guy. So I'm going to take the beginner's mind approach throughout this uh, okay. uh, uh, right. this whole interview. And it's not that hard for me because I am a beginner. Um, yeah. So yeah, what does trope mean? And then, so, and then kind of circling back, like, do you have any thoughts on most lucrative genres? Does that matter? Yeah. Is that something you even think about when you're starting the writing process? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so, so a trope is like the most kind of easy trope, low-hanging fruit trope is, ooh, look at him. He, isn't he saucy? Oh my God, he's a vampire, right? The Twilight <laughs> trope, right? That's, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like a really famous kind of storyline. And by the way, the Twilight trope, I mean, she's like, that's been going on for years. Dracula was the original supernatural that was, you know, but anyway, so that's kind of the trope. It's these kind of common story elements that readers can almost subconsciously identify and kind of connect to other stories, even specifically other stories in their genre. In terms of what's the best genre to write in, look, there are kind of fads and trends, right? And a fad is something that's hot now, a trend is something that is continuously hot. And uh, so for example, in urban fantasy, right now there is a fad. I, I would say it's a fad, although it's been lasting long enough that it might be a trend uh, for Academy, right? It's kind of like that Harry Potter style book of, ooh, I have magic, you know, let me go explore that and go to school about that. Um, whereas a trend is kind of like the slow boil kind of, it's been around for a while romances, for example, a lot of the romance tropes fall into these trends, but the reality is, is which is the best genre to write in? It's whatever gets you most excited. It's whatever you wake up every morning and go, I can't wait to hit that page. It's what I love to read. And it's what I love to engage in because you can make anything work, but and this is a really big but. You got to really understand the market. Like you can't just randomly throw darts in this direction. Understand what your readers are looking for, and figure out how you can be unique or special in that area. And that's what you know. Like you know, that's what like kind of connecting with other authors, where it really matters. Cyber stalking authors in the genres you believe you fit in that are successful. That's where those steps really matter because that's where you can figure out how to carve your own niche. I mean, it's the same thing for nonfiction. You can make any nonfiction business work with the right dedication, right? So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, and I want to dive into kind of writing process, but first you you mentioned that you got to understand your market, uh, understand what the readers want and understand how you can be unique in that. How do you do that? So there, there are kind of some, tricks that I, 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 or hacks, I guess, that like, I think are kind of the low hanging fruit. Um, and I'll go through just kind of one of them right now, but I would just like to b- more broadly answer it. You, you, you do it by immersing yourself in it and being open to criticism, being open to, you know, people who are kind of more advanced in you, helping you out, you know, really kind of trying to find your tribe, find your community, engage with them. That's how you do it ultimately. And then, all, you know, we all have our unique spin of, into things. We all have our own history and experiences. So how can we bring that in 
and put it in, right? That's the, the, the real answer, but kind of like one of the hacks that you can do is you look at it from a premise level, right? So a premise level is, a premise is kind of like that story umbrella under which all your plot points and characters and everything fall under. And you look at that umbrella and you go, well, how can I take the existing premises or premises, I guess I don't know if that's the plural, right? That exist in this genre and kind of find my own little twist in it, right? So, um, so for example, Hunger Games, the premise would be in a futuristic society, uh, children are forced to fight to the death in a yearly game called the Hunger Games, right? You know, that would be the premise. But underneath that umbrella, you have the Hunger Games that we know. But you, it could have been a romance, right? If it was a romance, then the entire story would have been, you know, Gail, her, her boyfriend, trying to break her out of the games. And it could have entirely been told from his perspective. It would have still been the same premise. So you look at it from that level and say, where's the, the twist or the angle I can play with? That's great. That's awesome. Um, so let, let's dive into writing. So you, you kind of gotten clear on this. Um, what's your genre? Um, I, you get an understanding of the market, understanding of what the readers want, how you can be unique. Um, you've got the premise. You, you've, you've thought about kind of the difference between fads and trends, uh, genre related, or maybe not. Maybe you said, hey, this is, this is what gets me excited. I'm writing about this. This is, yeah. this is the plot, kind of basics. Uh, and this yeah. is what I'm going to write about. Obviously, and this is a bunch of different parts here, but writing fiction is, is very different um, from writing nonfiction. How so? Like, how is it different? And then for starters, like, what are some of the common mistakes that you see made by first-time fiction authors? So when you're getting on that plot call, what are the, some of the, the mistakes and things that you're seeing? <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I literally could create a 17-hour course about this, Chandler. Oh. Wait a minute. Uh, okay. Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot. Right? You're asking like an incredibly complicated question in the sense of like, you know, how, like, what do you have to do? And, and the answer is, is like, you have to tell a good story. And I actually don't think it's that different from nonfiction. In nonfiction, you have to tell a good story. It's just the difference is, is that in fiction, the purpose of that story is simply to entertain. Whereas in nonfiction, the purpose of that story is to lead someone to change or to do, taking action or you know whatever the end goal is. And uh, in fiction, the tools that we have to tell that story are often kind of things that the average early reader, uh, early reader, sorry, early writer kind of glosses over. And that's kind of the core fundamentals of writing, you know, the, 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 the basics, if you will, right, you know, it always astonishes me that, you know, I get students who haven't really ever looked at character development or looked at setting or looked at even concepts like first person versus third person, present tense versus past tense. And, you know, these are things that you really have to kind of consider and build your story up from that. Now, the good news, this is the good news, is that most of us can intuitively do it because we've been reading books our whole lives. We've been immersing ourselves in story, TV, movies, what have you. And so, so there is this level of intuition that just simply comes to us by the mere exposure. You know, the average person is exposed to multiple stories a day, whether it's a story from a friend or your boss or your 
partner, your whatever, to watching TV, reading books or movies. So we have this intuitive level to it. And I think that like a lot of people just simply need to kind of see the structure to the stories that they've already exposed themselves to and they'll be able to build that story. A lot of times students are stuck in the middle of their book because they don't quite get that fundamental element that kind of can help them make that connection to make that next step. And in terms of the most common mistakes, there are five kind of like, it's funny after so many calls, like I kind of see these five mistakes over and over again. I think I'll just kind of give you two because like I don't, this interview will go on for hours otherwise. <laughs> so. Uh, the first one is that you know every story should have an inciting incident so the inciting incident is a moment in which your hero will never be the same something happens to your hero and they will forever be changed by it so in the hunger games i volunteer right so win or lose live or die her life is changed forever right a lot of students will come in and be like well the inciting incident was they were fired and it's like you know, being fired sucks. Okay. You know, you, you mope around in your bathrobe for a couple of days, but ultimately you get over it and you move on. That's not an inciting incident, right? You need something major to your character. And then the other thing, which, you know, it's funny, like, I don't understand why this is an issue, but it is such an issue is that uh, the average first time writer often writes a story in which their hero isn't proactive their hero is more of an observer of the story rather than someone who's taking control or charge of the story and actually moving the plot line themselves. So, um, and that's a problem. Like heroes need to deal with a problem and consciously think of how to solve that problem and consciously move towards solving that problem, not just kind of react and kind of, you know, flounder. It's not a fun story. So, sorry, I, I really could have talked for another so the, those, hour. So those are the two big ones you're saying. Those are the two big ones. The, the inciting ones. incident is not big enough, and it's not life-altering, earth-shattering, like, okay, this is interesting. I'm getting hooked into this story. And then yeah. the hero is not uh, pushing Pro. the story forward uh, and, yeah. and, like, resolving conflict and moving things forward or in pursuit of resolving conflict. Yeah. And there are, like I said, there are five of them, I mean, and that I just kind of see again and again. But those two are the big ones. The, the third one is they don't have a punchable villain, right? That's a big one. I know. And, and what does know, that mean? It's like, uh, who's your villain? Mother Earth. It's like, okay, can you punch Mother Earth? No. Okay, so how are you going to represent this villain in the story? Like, it just doesn't work, right? You know, Avengers yeah. had Thanos. He was punchable. He was a force of nature. He was someone you could hit. You yeah. can't hit Mother Earth. Yeah, cool. That's great. And, and we're going to give a link at the end of this. Um, we've got a really great training um, that Rami and I did together. And by did together, I mean, I introduced him and then he taught. <laughs> uh, and it's all around the fundamentals of fiction and uh, the five, uh, five part story structure and much stuff like that. So he'll go more in depth in that training if you're interested on kind of what he's teaching here. But I want to just a little bit more on the writing and kind of plot call, all that stuff. I mean, a lot of this, it, it, it sounds like people are getting kind of shook up in these plot calls. Yeah. Uh, and, and you're telling them that their baby is ugly if you're, if you're insulting their, their story. So like, how, how, do you, 
how do you handle that with, with mm. tact and with care? And I think probably yeah. most importantly, why is that important? How does the other person handle that on the other side? So if there's potential students watching this or uh, people who just signed up for SPS that are, that are watching or listening to this, like how do they make sure that they're in the right headspace to get feedback from an expert uh, on their story, on their plot when they're getting started? Yeah. So for, first of all, my first baby was like terribly ugly. Right. I mean, that's the truth. I, I did all the mistakes. Like, my, you know, my character wasn't proactive. The inciting incident was non-existent. Right. You know, I, I didn't have a punchable villain. Literally, like my villain was a floating shark head. Like it just, you know, I made all the mistakes that you could make to in it. Right. And so I, I approach it remembering that pain that I went through. Like it is absolutely uh, hard to hear it. But the thing is, is, it's what I was saying earlier, is that like, because we're so intuitively um, exposed to story, we often see these, pro like, you know, kind of subconsciously, I know that these are story issues or story problems. And we subconsciously aren't, are, are aware that we have to work on it, and we need to fix it. So it's always like, I never give criticism without fixes. And I always look for the most kind of like the lowest hanging fruit fix, right? You know, I'm not like out to just destroy your world. I'm out to make it work because quite honestly, any story can work, right? Like anything can work. It just requires a kind of refocusing what you were writing or what you were plotting to kind of fit some of the essentials needed in a story like a punchable villain. So the person with the non-punchable Mother Earth villain actually works for SBS. He's one of our, one of the SBS uh, guys, right? That specific example, and we talked about it, and um, and I was like, you know, I won't mention his name, but you know, I'll tell you later. <laughs> so, and I and I told him, I told him, I was like, look, you know, you can't punch Mother Earth, right? You need you need some representation. And so throughout the conversation, we came up with this concept of, for example, creating an avatar to represent Mother Earth. That Mother Earth mm. sends this agent down to kind of speak with the humans who she's trying to deal with and literally try to wipe off the face of the planet because, mm. and kind of how, how to manage that. And, you know, the response was really great because he started going, oh my God, like I totally didn't know how to connect from point A to point B, but now that we have this avatar, oh, you know, simply interacting with her will get me to that next point. And, you know, and then we started fleshing it out from there. So, so great. It's a game of inches, Chandler, yeah. right? You know, it's like, like, it's like these minor adjustments, a little bit to the right, a little bit to the left, and it changes everything, you know? So. Yeah, that's great. Now, uh, and that's a legendary uh, quote, uh, movie quote, I'm forgetting. Uh, what that's from, but um, the, kind of the whole game of inches thing—a little to the left, a little to the right. It's just some football movie. Um, yeah, but Al a couple, yes, yes, it's it's in my. Uh, I've got my get your mind right playlist that I listen yes. to. 
that whenever I'm frustrated, I put that Al Pacino speech on and I just kind yeah. of like rewrite it for writing, you know? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it's, it's in one of those compilations in there. That's great. Hey, couple, uh, we got a lot of ground to cover in the back half mm -hmm. of this interview. So just a couple real quick questions. And now I'm going to say real quick and then I'm going to ask a big question. <laughs> um, but uh, I'd love to hear kind of, can you give it just a, I'm talking like maybe 60 second overview of five part story structure obviously people can go and watch the webinar yeah. and get more in depth training on that, but just as an overview so that people can stew on. Yeah. I, the webinar is just a link that they can watch, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah. I just yeah. like, please watch the webinar, but just the 60 second answer is that broadly speaking, and I go into it much more depth, obviously there, but broadly speaking, you have kind of five key points in any story, really. You have the setup where we're kind of setting up the story promise. You have the inciting incident where the hero changes forever. Then you have the first slap where something devastating happens to them. The second slap where something even more devastating happens to them. But there's hope because usually baked into that second slap, there's something that is revealed to the hero or something that the hero sees that kind of leads into the climax in which point the climax is basically resolves kind of how the life was changed in the inciting incident and should be kick-ass, simply put, right? You know, that's it. But that really is 60 seconds to something that deserves way more time. Yeah, so. yeah. And you dive into this a lot in the webinar and obviously even further in significantly more detail in the fundamentals of fiction and story mm. program. Um, so one final question on writing. Uh, what's... It, kind of in, in, in your mind, um, what, what's the hardest part about writing a great fiction book? Okay, so, so there are two parts that are really difficult. And number one is self-accountability. And number two is just self-faith, right? Like those are the hardest things to do, especially if it's your first book. You have no concept of if is your book any good. And, uh, and, and so you're, you're kind of swimming in the self-doubt and it's like swimming upstream constantly. And then, then there's self-accountability because, you know, like if you were taking care of someone else's cat, that cat would get fed, you know, three times a day, you know, groomed, everything, right? But when you're taking care of yourself, you're just crap at it, right? It's like, oh, I'll eat those Cheetos. What the hell? And when it comes to writing, because writing hurts and it's hard, you kind of, oh, I'll, I'll get to it tomorrow, right? And that lack of, you know, it's that game of inches, right? You know, 500 words today, 500 words tomorrow. After 100 days, you have a novel. But 500 words after tomorrow, and then I kind of forget about it, and it peters out and dies, is you'll never have a novel. And so I really think those are the two things. And then the third thing is, I don't think it's hard for people to accept because we all accept it. We all know it. Your best work is still in front of you, right? And you have to go through this process. You have to write that first book and it might be amazing and it might be absolute garbage. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you have to do it because that next one's going to be better. No matter how good that first one is, that next one's going to be better. And that one after that's going to be even better. And by the way, yeah. I, I need to get that final number. And I'm really trying to figure out how to get that number. But it is something insane. Like 70% of people who successfully go through the program actually write more than one book. Right? Mm -hmm. It is just mm -hmm. a really high number. Um, to mm -hmm. that. And that's because 
you get that concept of the career author, you see it's possible. It's just, it's just what it yeah. is. That's amazing. I love that. It's, it's the whole uh, windshield mentality, right? It's always about what's next. You know, you're driving in a car uh, and, and you're on this journey, this, this fiction journey, right? You're driving in a car. Um, well, there's a reason why the windshield is way bigger than the rearview mirror. <laughs> yeah. It's because you're supposed to look to what's next, right? You're yeah. not supposed <laughs> to look in the rearview mirror and what's behind you um, because it's always about what's next. And what's next is what is going to be what's better than what was, or is going to be better than what was. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Let's, let, let's switch marketing. Uh, and I want to okay. move, I want to move quickly and go, go uh, kind of fundamentals of marketing. And then we can, if we might have a chance to talk a little bit of career author stuff. Um, yeah. You talked about how there's a ton of overlap between yeah. marketing a fiction book and marketing a nonfiction book. Yeah. In what ways is it different? Like how do you approach uh, marketing a, a, a fiction book differently than a lot of the stuff that we teach from writing a nonfiction book? Right. Okay. So, so with, with successful fiction marketing, like you're really trying to find your readership, right? So, so one of the biggest mistakes that people make in fiction is that they tell their mother and then their mother kind of like tells all her friends and she's part of some book club. And then you got like a hundred, you know, women over the age of 70 who all buy book, uh, you know, uh, cookbooks buying your book. And the, the problem with that is that like, so in nonfiction, you can get away with that because really the marketing is all about the personal hustle. It's all about that kind of connecting with your audience. It's about finding people and offering them something that they might not really know they need or want. Um, but with fiction, we're really trying to teach Amazon who to market our books to. So it's essential that we're kind of getting those first you know, and, and there are debates over what that number is. So I'm just going to say the first X number of books sold that those first X number of books are sold to the, the right reader, the reader who is in the right genre, because then Amazon will start doing Kindle recommendations. Amazon will start doing uh, email marketing on your behalf and your also bots will be correct. So that's one fundamental difference is that you know, we can't rely on the hustle as much as relying on adequately training Amazon's algorithm. Now that changes kind of when the book is six weeks old, three months old, you know, like kind of when you get over that arc or when you're making the right threshold of sales, you can kind of broaden that net and try to catch new readers mm. in different directions. Mm -hmm. But that initial launch phase is really key that you drill down. Got it. So be super specific and then you can always broaden out later. Yeah, that's right. That's great. That's right. And, and super specific along the lines of genres and tropes. Got it. Cool. So what is kind of the, the, you know, the how to of like, how do you approach uh, marketing a fiction book and what, what in your mind, what's the one thing um, that folks can do that will make the biggest impact in their fiction marketing? Right. Okay. So I will go over this super quickly because again, this is something I could talk about for three hours, but it's finding your tier ones. Okay. So what I mean by tier ones is like, I'll just use my book as an example. So I wrote a book called Mortality Bites or a series rather called Mortality Bites. And it's about an ex-vampire. So she's 300 year old vampire turned human and she's human age 19. So she does what any 19 year old girl does. She went to university. Okay, so that's just the basic premise plot line. Okay, 
So I looked at a book and I kind of thought, what are the generic traits of that book that in some make it unique? So for example, first person past tense, female hero, um, uh, low romance, low magic. It's fantasy, but magic is low. It doesn't solve the problems. It's just the cosmetics, right? A seven out of 10 snarky. Um, anyway, uh, and then I go through, <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of keep it short, right? So I go through the three tropes that are my dominant tropes in my book. So number one is I'm uber powerful, but I want to be left alone. Number two is there will be a Scooby gang. In other words, she has multiple sidekicks. And number three is an anti-trope, which is the twilight trope, because my book is not twilight. And so, and Twilight trope is very popular in my genre. So I stay away from books that use that trope. So then I go onto Amazon and I look for authors who have like a six and a half out of 10 overlap with my book, looking at those traits, right? And, you know, you spend a lot of time kind of drilling down and trying to find those tier ones. And I know that, you know, author A, B, and C are my tier ones. Like, you know, there's one author in particular. It's incredible. Like the number of comments I get of, oh, I read Stephanie's stuff and I love your stuff. And she gets the same comments about my book. And so I know that targeting her is perfect for me. And so that's kind of the key thing to do is really try to drill down and find that tier one, find where your book fits and focus on those books to target in AMS ads, to target in kind of how you build your cover, how do you build your blurb, so on. Uh, that's great. So being specific in all of the messaging, and I love, and it's so funny, it's like, this is where the overlap is, right? It's like mm -hmm. fundamental psychology and fundamental marketing is, is you're speaking exactly uh, to who you want to read the book, and you're telling them why it's for them, uh, why it's not for them. So this is not Twilight. If you're looking for yeah. another Twilight, keep moving. Uh, and, yeah. and, and then you're targeting specific folks who are likely to buy that type of book by finding other uh, similar authors, similar um, books that people might like. So it's kind of like you're, you're not gaming, but being intentional about the, uh, the customers also bought. And like, so it's going where your target audience is uh, right. and you're being very specific about speaking to them in the way that will resonate with them where they're at. Yeah, and, and, and I really think you're, you hit the nail on the head, right? Because it's um, the, that digital marketer course that um, we as the school took once. Remember that, right? Yeah. So one of the sections was on copywriting. And it is incredible how important copywriting did. So like, just as an example, my log line to that book was, when I was dead, all I wanted to be was human, uh, alive again. Now that I'm human, all I want to do is die. I had an average conversion rate of one in 33. In other words, 33 people who clicked on my ads bought the book, okay? I changed it to mythical creatures are real and the world is only now waking up to that fact. Property prices tend to go down when you discover your neighbor is once a blood sucking fiend. And my conversion rate went to one in 13. Wow. Right. So, so, so it's a massive drop for just changing those first two lines on your book description. And if you go through my genre, blood sucking fiend is a substitute for vampire, for example, right. Mythical mm, creatures, mm -hmm. right. Um, uh, world is waking up to the fact this behind the veil in front of the veil. All of this speaks my reader's language. 
and it makes a massive difference mm-hmm. to the sales. So important. So important. I think a big takeaway there is like, listen to your customers or in this case, your readers uh, and yeah. repeat back to them the words that they use. <laughs> and, right. and it's like, I feel, I feel like people try to make copywriting so complicated and obviously we've got great interviews on the podcast and trainings and, and the programs, stuff like that about copywriting. But at the end of the day, it's listening to what people are saying and communicating how this thing will solve that, or in this case will resonate with that desire and just repeating back to them the exact language that they use. Cause then, you know, the deepest human desire is to feel understood. And when people feel like they are understood, uh, then they say, Oh, well you must have, what, what I'm looking for. Cause you understand me. Yeah, absolutely. But there's something else that like, mm-hmm. and, and this is something that like, I, I, I really would attribute learning it from you first, mm-hmm. at least is uh, test, 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 right. Yes. Fail fast, fail forward, you know, with, with Amazon. And this is something that like fiction writers tend to think, Oh, I, you know, I put this up and it's stone, right. You know, it's not because you can change your book description every day if you want it, right? Or every other day. So you test that book description, test that page one, right? Test that first chapter. Um, and, you know, and eventually you can make anything works. And a lot of times, you know, I always say to the students, cause you know, we have these group coaching calls. And so I must say this on every single group coaching call. There are four things that you need to be a successful fiction writer. Number one, tell a good story. Number two, don't take anything personally. And what that means is just simply respect the data, right? You know, read the data. It's not that you wrote a crappy book. It's probably that you just don't have the right copy or the right cover or the right whatever, right? You know, respect the data. Know when to pivot, right? Do I write a new series? Do I write the next book in the series? Do I focus on marketing? Know when to pivot. And number four, be consistent, right? If you can successfully manage those four pillars, you will have a fiction career. Hey, Chandler Bolt here. I hope you're loving this episode so far. It's time to go from inspiration to implementation. All right, so if you've learned something, we want to help you implement what you've learned with your book. So what I want you to do right now is go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a publishing consultation with one of the experts on my team. We'll talk about your goals for your book, your dreams, your challenges, your next steps, and we'll start putting together a plan. All right, so go to selfpublishing.com forward slash schedule, book a call with the team. Let's see how we can help with your book. It's time to implement. So That's so great. Drop the mic. Um, a couple, couple final things here. One more specific to marketing. I want to take about five minutes on career stuff, which I know is too short, but I, I at least want to cover it a little bit. Um, killing me, I mean, we can, Are you killing we can me? Go, <laughs> we could go on for ages and ages. Um, yeah. But here's a question I get all the time, uh, it, which is, "What's a good lead magnet for fiction?" Like, mm. yeah, I'm writing, okay. I'm writing. A, I'm writing a fiction book. I'm writing, uh, and this is maybe uh, be a little bit too broad. So answer this question however you want. I'm writing a memoir. I'm writing a children's book. Like, what? Okay, I, I, the the standard like, hey Chandler, you recommend audiobook or um, or a video or something like that. Like, how is this applied to fiction? What do you recommend in terms of lead magnets? Right. Okay. So 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 there's a lot of different things. So kind of like just in terms of general genre fiction, 
Um, one of the best lead magnets is a short story, especially if you take a side character and write a two to 5,000 word short story about hmm. that character. Mm -hmm. um, if you turn it into an audiobook that you read, so you're not paying for a narrator, but you're just doing it yourself and you, you know, give a little bit of a preamble. It's like, hi, I'm Rami Vance, the author of the Gone God World. And I'd like to introduce this, you know, and so you, it gives you a good intro and outro. And because it's you, they don't expect it to be super professional level. That's a great thing to do. Um, maps of the world, character profiles, that kind of stuff. Uh, in terms of the um, uh, memoir, uh, I, so like, honestly, like it depends on what the memoir is. We've had some crazy memoirs in the school. I mean, really insane memoirs. One of the guys who's writing a memoir in our school was quite, you know, by the legal definition, a pirate, right? You know, and by the legal definition. So I'm not talking about like a hook hand and a one eye patch, and, you know, but just by the legal definition, he was a pirate. And, you know, and he had some crazy stories. And so, like, his lead magnet is like an inventory of the stuff that he pirated, basically, you know, and stuff like that. It was really cool. So, with yeah. memoir, it's like, kind of, how do you engage the, um, uh, the, the character, or sorry, the reader into what makes your particular memoir special? A map mm. of the region, an explanation of the time. And then in terms of a children's book, so the two leads magnets with a children's book that are really effective. Um, one is for the parents and one is for the uh, kids. For the kids, illustrations, a little bit more about the characters, stuff like that can be really effective. For the parents, a, a guide on how to truly make this book educational for the kids, right? You know, a two-page two -page oh, reader companion, right? Yeah. You know, here's yeah. how to do this. That's awesome. So, yeah. Those are great. Hey, I know this is something that you talk about um, with folks, especially on the plot call early on, uh, as you kind of say, hey, which, which bucket do you fall into, career versus bucket list? Or um, can you yeah. walk me through, like, how do you determine that? And you talk about kind of giving a, a, a 50,000 feet uh, above the ground view of how most indie authors can make a career out of it, but then also getting clear on which one you are. Right. Okay. So, so like, there's nothing wrong with bucket listers. And in fact, a lot of bucket listers kind of come through this process and really, you know, at the other end of it, decide to write a, a series or something else on something else. A bucket list project is basically a story which has been burning inside you for a long time. And you're not willing to kind of do some of the market compromises to kind of fit into that genre, to fit into that bucket. To, you know, you're just kind of doing it your own way. And to be honest, those books are incredible. And they have the biggest chance of truly being the out of this world success because they're the ones that are breaking the mold, but they're also the ones that are, you know, most likely not going to really take off or go anywhere because very difficult to market. And how do you find the right people to, to target? Right. So um, a career author is that person who's like, man, I have wanted to be a writer since I was a little kid. I hate my job and I want, I'll do whatever it takes to make this my primary income stream. And that's when you start really looking at your story idea, your premise umbrella, and you start to try to figure out how can I make it work. And so the 50,000 feet above the ground view of the kind of like the eight out of 10 indie authors do this system, right? And first of all, just to be clear, there's no one way to do this. Anyone that tells you there's one way to do this is full of crap and you should just run, right? Like there are many ways to get to that finish line, but 
I will say that the majority of the, you know, blue collar indie author, right? You know, the one who kind of does it every day author follows kind of this system, which is that they write a series. Usually that series is to a definable genre and it is character-based, which means that the character is engaging enough that we want to see how this character is going to be, succeed, move on to the next level, all of that stuff, right? And then you write, you know, three to five books in that series. And the reason why it's important to do that is because it's because, sorry, um, sorry this is not my uh, phone. So, I apologize. I'm in a cottage and there was a, an iPad left behind and it's just raining. So. <laughs> no problem. So, no problem. Um, so it's like, how do we kind of go to that next, uh, uh, you know, so if I sell 10 copies of book one, right, hopefully five of those 10 will buy book two. If I sell five of those five that buy book two, four will buy book three and so on and so forth. So off of the back of selling 10 copies of book one, you've sold 13 more books, okay? So if all the books are five bucks and you're earning roughly $3.30 per book, that means that you've sold 27 books for, you know, the, uh, for marketing just book one in a series and that's it. All right. Got it. So, yeah, that's great. So that's, that's, a, and then of course, if, if you know, KU reads, have you gone over KU reads versus book sales and on the podcast? Not on the podcast. No, go ahead. So KU reads is like, there are two ways to earn money on Amazon, direct book sales, of which you get 70% of the cover price, as long as your book's over two ninety nine, And then there is for every thousand pages read, you get $4 and 20 cents. Per, well, sorry, I shouldn't give a number. It varies between $4 and $4.70, depending on the month and all this stuff. And it's part of the Kindle Unlimited program, which is basically the program where um, you, you pay, I think it's 10 bucks a month and you can read anything in the Kindle Unlimited library. So. Right, perfect, awesome. Hey, kind of home stretch here. Mm. What what is What are some... Uh, Hmm, man, there's, there's so much, so many directions we could go here. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, yeah. and, and a couple minutes left to do it. What are, uh, I, you might've already covered this in, in which case we can get, just kind of move to the wrap up and final piece of advice. Um, but talk about um, uh, how, how does, you know, incoming student who says, I am that career author or I want to be, how do they maximize their success or their chances for success as an indie author? Uh, yeah. So, okay. So for the career author, especially if you're writing to genre, I think one of the smartest moves to do is to write multiple series in the same universe. So, um, you, you know, and, and of course, like automatically I say universe and people, you know, jump to sci-fi and fantasy, but this can work in straight up romance. This can work in straight up thrillers or detective novels, or, you know, imagine having a precinct right? Where we're following, you know, Detective McGruff and, you know, whatever, right? You know, and we're just kind of going through all his detective stories. Well, if you write three or four books and following Detective McGruff, 
right? You know, and it's not selling and you're not able to get it to work. Well, maybe this isn't it, right? You know, maybe there's something wrong with what you did uh, with the character or the way you set it up. It's your first series. You made some, you know, first series mistakes. You know, you're not getting that read through, that sell through, that buy through. So write another story from another detective in the same precinct who works with McGruff and thinks McGruff's a real a-hole, you know? And it's just like, and, and so now you've got another character series and maybe that series will work. And 20% of the people who read that series will go on to read the McGruff series. And so you're kind of, you know, maximizing your potential. So my kind of like success or like when I finally started to see some real, uh, uptick in sales and just kind of income and everything like that was I wrote one series of three books. It didn't work. I republished it, but to be honest, I didn't really know what I was doing then. So I didn't actually republish it. It didn't work. Then I, um, I wrote a second series and I wrote six books in that series that went well, but the reviews and the sales weren't connected. Like the reviews were just kind of, led me to believe that this had way more potential. So I unpublished it and republished it, kind of really doing my market research. And I actually did a few things to the book to kind of adjust how, how it flowed and did a, a kind of a bit of a re-edit. And that's when things really took off, republishing mm. the second series for a second time. Mm. That's great. And yeah. so many things to unpack and, and there, but just... I mean, the importance of, I mean, you were talking about this a second ago. Uh, what was it? The, the four things that you need to be a good uh, fiction author, tell a good story. Don't take anything personally and respect the data. That's yeah, what you were doing there. Know when to pivot and be consistent. And all four of those things are exhibited in that move right there to like, you, you, <laughs> Uh, you you learned how to tell a better story by not taking anything personally, respecting the data, knowing when to pivot or alter, uh, and then also being consistent. So continually uh, doing the work uh, over a yeah. long time period. Hey, I've got kind of a, a final question here, uh, yeah. and 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 I know we could we could <laughs> we could talk for ages on this, and maybe we'll have to do another one uh, we- uh, down the road. Uh, I have a feeling we will. Uh, but uh, so. You know, knowing what you know now, obviously you've written more than 29 books, coached hundreds of self-publishing school students, 7,000 coaching calls. Like, let's pretend someone is, is, is listening to this or watching this and, you know, it's, it's the, the Rami from years ago that's coming into this process. Let's say they signed up for the Fundamentals of Fiction and Story program uh, and they're watching or listening to this in prep for their plot call with you or one of our other fiction coaches. Um, or, you know, maybe they're just like coming in that, this process. What is your advice to that person? What's the hard truth? What do they need to know? Yeah. The hard truth is like, they really need to know what they want. Right. Cause a lot of people just want to write that first book, just get it out of their system and get it to the world. And that's amazing. And honestly, like, I, I think I'm trying to remember, um, exactly where she fits in this, but one of the most successful, I'd say top five most successful students ever was exactly that. She wrote a bucket list book and it just, I mean, it just sold like insane amounts of uh, copies. So it's just know what you want and don't be kind of pressured into going down one path or another because you, you feel like you should go down that path. But then once you accept what you want, go for it. 
right? I mean, that's the real thing, right? Like, like, you know, except that like, okay, if I want to be a career author, then perhaps the unpunchable character that is your villain is not going to work. And there's a reason why most successful mainstream stories have punchable villains, like, except that you're going to have to pivot, you know, <laughs> I'm going to sound like a broken record, right? Except that you're going to have to pivot, don't take it personally, and just get it done and write that good story. Because end of the day, it's in you to write that good story. It's in every one of us to write that good story. Yeah, that's amazing. Rami, this has been so great. Um, hey guys, if, if you're looking for more uh, content, more uh, help, all that stuff, we've got a, a lot of good content on the Self-Publishing School blog, um, courtesy uh, of Rami uh, and some other folks on the team. Uh, also, the best place to go, watch the webinar. 45 minutes training. Uh, it'll be, if you think this podcast was helpful, it'll be the, uh, you know, in my opinion, the best 45 minutes you could spend on your fiction book uh, and, 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 and watch that webinar. Uh, go to spspodcast.com forward slash fiction. Um, register for the training, watch the training where you can just find it on the site. Um, it's really, really, really good. Um, he talks about five part story structure. How do you find the time for writing? Uh, you know, overcomes myths about, hey, there's not any money in fiction. It's all in nonfiction. Right. Talks about things like that. You're going to find that tr training super helpful. So that's number one. Number two, if you've listened to this podcast interview uh, and you just said, hey, I've heard enough. I just want to work with you guys in the Fundamentals of Fiction story program. Uh, then all you have to do is go to self-publishingschool.com uh, forward slash fiction. Uh, and you'll be able to book a call um, with the self-publishing school team, talk about what it'd look like to work together, all that stuff. Uh, now, the third thing, which depending on uh, when you're, you're listening to this or watching this, you know, it may have already passed or it may be coming up, uh, is Author Advantage Live. And uh, we're actually pivoting uh, Author Advantage Live. You know, if you've been uh, paying attention um, for the last few weeks, you've seen this. Um, we're pivoting it to a virtual experience this year in 2020. Um, we'll be back in person in 2021. But what's really exciting about this is I think it's going to allow us some flexibility with breakout rooms and with things like that um, to be able to have more uh, content and stuff specific to fiction authors. Uh, and so I know, Rami, you're going to be speaking uh, at Author Advantage Live. So talk for a second, like, what are you going to be speaking about kind of broadly? And uh, probably more importantly, like, why should people actually get a ticket and show up to Author Advantage Live as a fiction author? Yeah, I, I've got to be honest, I'm super excited for Author Advantage Live. Like uh, the last one, the feedback was just incredible. I, I was honestly like blown away because I had a number of students go to it. So this one is going to be awesome. And I think that the, the two topics that we're, we're, I'm going to be speaking about is kind of more kind of fiction career stuff because Author Advantage Live is really about kind of leveling up and taking it to your next level. And then from a nonfiction point of view is how to use good storytelling when pitching your nonfiction book idea or kind of like engaging with your audience. So those are the two talks that um, I'm chatting with Hunter and Omar about. So <laughs> we'll yeah. solidify it. But I think that like, if you're just really looking for that career person, you know, like you're looking to build that career and you're looking to find your tribe, so to speak, it's conferences exactly like this that are, you know, they're where you need to be. So I would recommend 100%. that. I am looking forward to it. Awesome. I can't wait. Hey, uh, you can grab a ticket at authoradvantagelive.com. It's authoradvantagelive.com. It's going to be amazing. We hope to see you there. 
um, whether you're a fiction author, nonfiction author, um, either way, we, we want to see you there. Uh, and we, we'd love to have you in attendance. It can be a virtual experience. So this is, it's not going to be a lame uh, thing that you just watch or like stare at your computer. It's going to be interactive. Uh, and my goal is to make it not just the best virtual event that you've ever attended, but the best event that you've ever attended, uh, just facilitated virtually. Um, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, AuthorAdvantageLive.com. Uh, grab a ticket uh, and we'll see you there. Um, so kind of in, in closing, Rami, um, we're, so final question. Where can people go uh, to find your books, buy your books, uh, read your series, all that stuff? Yeah, I, probably like the, the best entry point is Mortality Bites uh, on Amazon. Uh, you can just grab it there, Rami Vance. Uh, yeah, uh, you'll see a picture of a, of a woman riding a dragon. That's my avatar picture. So it's one of my covers. So cool. Awesome. Rami, this has been amazing. Super, super helpful. Great to uh, introduce some fiction content on the SBS podcast and the SBS YouTube channel for those um, who are watching this interview there. Um, Thank you so much uh, once again. And guys, we'll see you back here uh, in the next episode. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Take care, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for watching or listening to this episode of the Self-Publishing School Podcast. I know there's so many places that you can be spending your time. There's other podcasts that you can be listening to, YouTube channels that you can be watching. Uh, So thank you so much. It means the world. Now, I want you to do three things right now if you found this episode. All right, number one, I don't know if you know this, but we've got a YouTube channel. It's a companion channel to this podcast. All the video versions of the episode are on the YouTube channel. So number one, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Number two, if you're listening to this podcast wherever, whether this is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, number two, I want you to subscribe to this podcast right now so you don't miss a future episode. Uh, And then number three, this is probably the most important, uh, leave a review on the podcast. All right, reviews are super important and help the podcast get discovered by other people. Uh, So number three, leave a review on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'll see you in the next episode. If you're on the fence about scheduling a publishing consultation call with my team, maybe you're not quite ready uh, for that, I've got some free training that I think will be really helpful for you. All right, all you have to do is go to register to sign up. Go to selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. When you do, you're also going to get a free digital copy of my new book, Published. And on that training, you're going to learn the next step, so how to implement with your book. So how to write, how to publish, how to launch successfully. So go to register right now at selfpublishing.com forward slash free training. I'll see you there.